The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome to a very special edition of the Paper Cuts podcast. I'm Gina Todd and you're listening to us on the spin-off. When I say us, I'm actually by myself. I'm recording this from the comfort of my own home in my dressing gown, but I've just been with my buddies Karen Das and Louisa Cossa at the Auckland Writers Festival and this has been an amazing week and we've collected some uh, recordings for you, little po- mini podcasts, and slice them all together for you for a great wind up of what we saw. And I really know that what we saw was such a small portion of what was on offer. We will be talking about the Occams, the Festival Gala, Jenny Zhang, Ali Yelich O'Connor, and Durgachu Bose, Carl Over Kanalskard, and more. We also have special guests Toby Manhire and Singa- Singaporean author of Ponti, Charlene Teo. So we really hope you stick around and listen, and even if you didn't get to go to the festival or you don't live in Auckland, you feel like you can get something out of this podcast. And don't forget to check out the Spin-Off Books page, which is sponsored by our friends at Unity Books. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> this is the Paper Cuts podcast, and you're with Jenna, Louisa, and Karen, and we're at the Auckland Writers' Festival. It's day one, but we've been to a couple of events before this. Yeah, so um, on Tuesday, so today is Friday, so you're going to be listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, I guess. But um, on Tuesday the fifteenth, we went to the Ockham Book Awards, and people won money, and that was pretty cool. People won some big dosh. Big dosh. So we had a good night, eh? It was a great night. Yeah. Feeling pretty seedy the next day. So was I. Very, very dusty. Yeah. (laughs) Had to do a radio review. Um, That was that morning, wasn't it? Yes. RNZ. Yep. Oh, and if you can't tell, we're on the ground at the festival. That's the beeping noise to tell you that we are. Yeah, we're on the front line. Yeah. (laughs) I literally haven't said anything yet. I'm just frozen in place. Sorry. So, the biggest prize of all went to, um, monetarily, went to Pip Adam, right? Yeah, mm. so um, the biggest secret I've ever kept for two months, Pip Adam won um, the Ockham uh, Fiction Prize for, um, Ockham Foundation Fiction Prize, which was a $52,000 cash 
grab. Oh yes, um, and the cash came from the Acorn Foundation. Yes, and um, so that was for the new animals. And um, yeah, so she won, and, and I really encourage people to read that book. But it's quite still quite hard to explain. But I, what do you think? I don't you know. Don't think it is. I sort of think it's an easy one to explain <laughs> because I just think it's a book that's strikingly contemporary. It's set over one day and it deals with class, inequality, generational conflict. Um, yeah, yeah, I I yeah. That's kind of how I, I would summarise it. it. And I think I need to try, for personally, I need to trust in the reader as well. Because sometimes I think, like, oh, people find this too weird. But really, um, we've We'll get to this later, but we've just been to a great session by Jenny Zhang, and it was like that trusting in your mm, reader, and mm, that mm. readers are smart. And that collaborative relationship between author and reader. Yeah. You know, the, the book comes to life when the reader activates it. And yes. it and creates yeah. it in a way. So yeah. that was cool. And then, so the non fiction winner was Diana Wittall, and she's pretty well known for her. Um, her TV um, reviews. TV, right? no, TV, listen, she, she does yeah, the TV reviews, the but also um, really amazing interviews and journalism, and the listener. Yeah. And she's a super insightful writer. And so she won for driving to Treblinka, which is this really personal story of her father. And then the illustrated nonfiction was Tuai. And the poetry was Elizabeth Smither for Night Horse. Night Horse. Yes. And. Just a little shout out. That is published by my work. Yeah, and that's cool. So I'm, I'm, you know, you only am I super stoked a that, um, you know, the place that I work for, Auckland University Press, you know, won, you know, that one of our authors won an award. But I'm just so pleased because I think it's such a fantastic book. Mm. It is very, um, uh, it's quiet, but it's also so luminous and wanting. And she is such an incredible writer and also such an incredible person. Her speech was very funny, I thought, when yeah. she said that, um, what she said, she said, novel, uh, poets often dedicate their works to it, money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was on really money. good. It was Literally. good. Ah! <laughs> and I felt like the Occam's had this quite, this year had this quite, like, lighter feeling to it. It really did. It felt like it flowed pretty well. I feel like last year it felt like somebody had died and that maybe (laughs) that person was New Zealand literature. Um, And that's nothing to do with any prizes awarded or anything like that, but it was just the feel of the awards. Whereas, you know, this felt really jubilant and really buoyant and really celebratory and really fresh and kind of exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the literary landscape in New Zealand holds. Yeah, like maybe it's a new direction. A new direction that we need. Yeah, I do Um, feel that way. And then what won the illustrated... Oh, that was the Tuai. Tuai? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what... A book about caves. The caves book by Marcus Thomas. That's all I know. um, That's all we know. um, But I look forward to reading it. Mm. Um, And they wore their headlamps on stage. They did. It's very cute. And um, but so then they so they have the big awards and then they have best first books for every section. Yes. And caves won a best first. Yeah. Didn't it? And then Diana Wickdell won that as well as her category winner. So she swept the awards. And then Annalise fantastic book. Yeah. Annalise Yockham's won best first novel for her book Baby. And the poetry was a woman named Hannah. Hannah Metner. Yeah. Something about clothes. Fully clothed and so forgetful, published by VUP. Oh, you guys are so good at this stuff. Um, I had a nice chat with her in the 
bathroom, so I said congratulations, and she said I like your dress. She won't, she won't know this, but I actually bought a really beautiful kimono off her um, on trade me. Yeah. Cool. New Zealand's very New Zealand's small. a small hometown. The worst thing is when you buy something on trade for someone and then you realise that you know them and it's like, do I address this? Keep um, it professional. Yeah, especially if you bought it for real cheap, which is what I always do, and then you like kind of feel bad. Um, so is that that done? We can that's, move on to the gala night. Understand. Well, we probably don't need to talk about the gala night too much because are we going to... Use the recording that you guys made. I we did we a we did a test recording to I test whether this works. So how about we put that in right we now? We can just slice it in. There we go. Yeah. I think we're recording. Woo-hoo. Are you out there? Hi. Hello. And um, this is Karen and Gina. I'm Gina, and I'm with Karen. And we are at the kind of like the one of the first big nights of the Writers Festival, Auckland Writers Festival. We've been at the Festival Gala Night, True Stories Told Live. And it's um, eight writers, and we had Susie Boyd, Lisa Duan, Gigi Fenster, Alex Ross, Damon Salisa, Tom Scott, Shashi Tharoor, and Jenny Zhang. And they all had to speak for seven minutes and tell a true story without scripts or props, inspired by the theme Undercover. Who was your favourite? Mine. I actually really liked Gigi Fenster's because it was um, kind of unpretentious, had um, a kind of personal element to it, and it was funny, quite witty. Yeah. It made me really want to read her memoir, which I actually already have, thank you to VUP, and I've heard that her, her memoir is quite an experimental memoir. Creative non-fiction. Yeah, which is quite one of my favourite types. Of. It's called Feverish. And... Am I right in thinking that this memoir, Feverish, is about her experimenting with the idea of trying to induce a feverish state? Yes, yes. Yeah. That so, sounds so fascinating. And Who was your favourite? Well, I'm, I'm predisposed to loving Jenny Zhang just because I've been looking forward to seeing her for so long, so I thought her talk was just super charming and that really awkward, relatable thing that her story started from you know, when you're at school, and I have those memories of school camp where there's a pair of underwear on the floor, and she kind of slowly realizes <laughs> like having that toilet paper hers. trailing out of your yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dirty, the old dirty undies story. So they, they made me look forward to what's what's coming to, to uh, what's coming next. Da, da, da. Thanks, Alice. Thanks, Alice, for slicing that in. And you know, there was we were doing that just to test the sound, but I think you get a gist It'll of do. what happened. Yeah. And also, we don't know how this one's going to turn out. So that could be our we, recording. Yeah, we're still it's still red, so that's great. Um, so today we've been down at the festival. The first thing we did was go straight to lunch at Fed Deli. Very delicious, delicious, so good. The poutine was my favourite. Oh yeah, so cheesy. It was cheesy and, and lots gravy-ish. of gravy. And then I did my usual Sorry. festival thing where I go down to the $3 Japan shop and look for these really great cashmere socks. But I'd like to report the cashmere socks are not out yet and they still have the ankle socks. So maybe wait a few weeks. They're a seasonal good. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't go to town very often, so I do all these things at, at once. I'll keep you apprised of the sock situation. Okay. I yeah, you're on the ground. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm your woman on the ground at Daiso Japan. Those socks are just so good. Um, but Louisa 
Sarah and I went to this great free session and one of the best things about it, and we didn't tell you this, Karen, was that we didn't have to line up. The room oh, was already open. Are you serious? And That's fantastic. And it was so civilised. Yeah, wow. no elbows. We sat at a table. We could organise a lot of ticket stuff and do some life admin while waiting. Yeah. And so Mining, Mining a Life was um, four authors to, um, writing about their creative non-fiction. So we had Catherine Chidgey, who wrote an amazing book, um, Beat of the Pendulum, Durga Chubos, who we've talked a lot about in this podcast already, so she's like quite a, I don't know, celeb factor. Um, and Anna Livesey? 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 Yeah. I've never heard of her she's, before. Um, she was a Wellington-based poet, and she's written at least three books. Yes. But she's Auckland-based now. Oh, she? Yeah. Ah, and then um, older Carl over Knausgaard, that's what they were saying. Yeah. They were pronouncing the K. Yes, so um, definitely pronounced that wrong on the actual podcast, <laughs> but that's fine. Um <laughs> Thank you to my colleague for letting me know how to pronounce it after the fact. <laughs> um, uh, they were fantastic. I really love the free events because often they are just readings. Yeah. And sometimes, like, you know, sometimes the interviewer will be good, sometimes it won't be so good, but if it's a reading of an author you enjoy, you're probably going to enjoy it. And yeah. even, even with the readings, there's usually a dud, but I can safely say that there were no duds in this. And this... Um, was introduced by Anne Kennedy, and I think she really um, she she introduced it by saying introspection and revelation are polar opposites, and I loved that and how these authors managed to capture that in their their work and and marry that in a really nice way. Um, did you have a highlight? Um, I think that my highlight was actually Catherine Chidgey. She was funny. She was so Ooh. funny, and I hadn't read the book. And I think I'm going to really enjoy the book. Yeah. Um, so even though I really enjoyed Carl Urban Knausgaard as well, um, you know, I am more familiar with his writing, and um, so I was enjoying it, but with Catherine, it was like a revelation. Yeah. Um, it made me remember how much I enjoyed that book as well. So it was fresh yeah. and, yeah, just wide-ranging. Um, speaking of wide-ranging... Karen, what did you go to while we were at Mining Alive? So while you're at Mining Alive, sorry, do you know why I said that? (laughs) No, I said that because I was thinking, I went to this um, amazing session called On Wagner by Alex Ross, who was the New York Times um, music critic, and I was the only, I'm pretty sure I was the only person there drinking wine, (laughs) I might have been the youngest person. Well, it was 2.30, Karen, yeah, it's just... Um, the sun was over the yard arm. That's right. Say, whatever it was that five means. o'clock somewhere. So um, Alex Ross is a great music writer, and I think what I really like about him is that he writes thoughtfully and he listens closely, um, and he's a really good thinker. And so he's a beautiful music writer, and he has this um, new book coming out called Wagnerism, and it's fascinating. It's all about... Wagner, um, it's not quite out yet but he did, it was basically a lecture and so he, he delivered this quite engaging, interesting lecture about Wagner and how he had influenced um, a lot of the modernist writers, um, including Catherine Mansfield, he spoke at length about that, and um, on art, surrealism and modernism um, and politics, like fascism and communism, and um just about how you know this really grand quite bombastic music 
is one of the most kind of influential musics Absolutely. ever. And um, I love how he described it as the sound of shifting ice. Um, and he played some, so his, his lecture was punctuated by bits of um, beautiful music. And I know it's kind of problematic to mention Woody Allen because we're not allowed to really talk about him anymore, but it made me think of um, that line from Manhattan Murder Mystery where Woody Allen's character says, oh, every time I listen to Wagner, it just makes me feel like invading Poland. <laughs> but, um, Although not funny, it's not funny yeah. because he is a monster and we do not abide that. Um, um, so just for the listeners, um, I, so Wagner is most well known arguably for the um, the movement, oh, the ring cycle, I think, right? Yeah, and he just cast a really huge shadow over 20th century music. Um, he died in 1883 um, and just this lecture kind of talked about how his influence yeah has really reverberated across pop um culture? pop culture but also um he was hitler's favorite composer oh yes as well um That's yeah yeah there's a lot of that stuff but just really really fascinating really like when is the book going to come out did he give a kind of he didn't say yeah there's going to be so many people coming into the bookshop saying do you have oh yeah I know (laughs) I hope so yeah I mean I've read his two books The Rest is Noise and Listen to This and man he's just one of the best really and he wrote um, an essay in 1995 called Nothing's Going to Happen The Story of New Zealand Rock and he's actually writing about stuff. Um, I love that essay. Fergus Barriman from VUP told me about it about 10 years ago. And he's writing about great music that I love that is often overlooked um, by New Zealanders, in fact. At the same time, Louisa and I went to um, Janesville by Amy Goldstein. So Amy Goldstein is a journalist who... Um, just after 2008 and she went to this place called Janesville in Wisconsin and um, this is a place where the General Motors factory was and it it was announced that it was closing down so she went and did some intensive writing and interviewing over a two year period. She really immersed herself into the community, didn't she? To sort of look at a community and what happens um, when, what she says, when good work goes away Mm. and it's that real middle class Mm. America, what happens when when they lose work and then become dependent on welfare, right? Totally. And And what I did like about this is that, and it didn't became more apparent towards the end, was that um, yeah, we just see Toby Manhire over there. Yeah, (laughs) hi Toby, hi Mad. It's all happening. It's on the ground. Hold on, we're going to pause. Okay, we're back, and Toby Manhire has just walked past, and we're just talking about um, Janesville, but Toby Manhire was the chair of this event, and here he is. What do you think? Hi, Toby. Treat to be on the podcast. Ah, podcast. welcome. Thanks. We're honoured. <laughs> yeah, storming the charts. It's very exciting. Invading the Invading. charts. Yeah. Invading, Late yeah. Late Wagner's music. Um, so how did it feel to um, interview Amy Goldstein about this um, quite intense topic? Great. I think she was great. She's very um, articulate and interesting, and I think it's a magnificent book. Mm. I, I was going to ask her, but I didn't. It's, I feel like, in a way, it's like the anti-Michael Wolf, you know? Who, the, it's sort of, mm. in a way, a kind of um, antithesis or a medicine when you've read all these polemical, angry... It's not strident, is it? No. It's very, it's very old-school reporter-type stuff. 
I really liked how she kept so apolitical because it's such yeah. a political thing and it just made you step back and look at these people and these stories without really getting into mm. that. And, and that's all part of it, but you can make your own decision mm. on that and that's what she lets you do, which is such a sign of a great journalist. It's mm. like what she says too, it was very personal. Yeah. It's very mm. personal. It's not losing sweeping. work. It's, it's very micro, it's not macro. Um, I liked what she said about the domino effect um, of these middle class people. Mm you know, losing their jobs and how that affected mm. the working class people in some, service industries. Yeah, there were some great scenes in the book. There are some great scenes in the book that kind of juxtapose the people who are out there trying to kind of re-energise an absolutely kind of walloped community and then the people who are talking quite a lot of puffery on the stage about these ideas that bit of optimism and this is the spirit this is the Janesville spirit which is a nice idea for a while but actually counts for nothing when you're in a job centre trying to get people mm. back on their feet. I loved all the Paul Ryan stuff too, I thought that yeah. was interesting yeah. yeah, it was really enough to make you sick One of the things that I was going to ask you about didn't come up is that she calls him Paul in the book, so she calls all her characters by their Christian names <laughs> and she does it for him too so it's like Paul was on the phone to GM saying and it's kind of, you kind of, you you kind of recoil of it. It's like, you can't call Paul Ryan Paul. <laughs> fucking Ryan, you know. But, but it, she, does, she does it, so she's across the board. She also humanises her. Quite mm. neutral. She's also a human being. That's quite um, confronting, actually, to be confronted with the humanisation of Paul Ryan, mm. in a way. Mm. Mm. It's sort of uh, yeah, it's an I, interesting reflection. Well, I thought, I'd read in my notes, I thought you... Toby really let her speak, and you're very well informed. I thought it was a great session. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 10 out of yeah. 10. It's the best 10 10 kind of feedback that you could possibly yeah, have. I just thought it was really good. Um, Toby didn't ramble. Yeah, over. yeah. I'm like, Ugh. And, um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I liked how Trump wasn't mentioned in, in, until 36 minutes in, mm. so he could let their stories come through. And obviously, he was going to come up, but uh, yeah, I thought it was. It was everything seemed well timed to me. I think he's like a like a gas, and once you come comes into the room, you can't get it out. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like trying to seal the room for yeah, yeah, as, as long possible. as possible. Yeah. A lot of grey here in the audience. Thank you very much. Oh, the audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Well, that's the writers' festival. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And cool. you're welcome. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Oh, thanks. Thanks, thanks, Toby. Love the Very Thank you. Yeah. Aw, oh, cool. What a um, gift. That was nice. Hey, I didn't really think we'd get to interview someone on this. I was a little bit scared. And we just did We just did it. We just did it. They it come to us. It's like, I don't know. I don't have a metaphor for it. We're hiding on the fifth floor, which is, seems like the quietest place. And P.S. has the best bathrooms. Louisa thought, and I thought it was the best place if you needed to do number twos <laughs> during and the festival. You said that. Yeah. I said it was the best place to do some primping. Yeah. So, you know, those are our relative priorities. But these all these things you have to think about when you're away from your home, home. for a long period of time. It's quite an intense experience, and, and it's actually quite hard on your body and on your mind. And um, thank you guys for not bringing up the fact that during... Um, the um, Janesville um, event, I nodded off a couple of times. Thank just you had for a not bit bringing of a that cup. up in front of... I mean, I didn't want to, but it's and it's literally nothing to do with how interesting it was, because it was super interesting, and I was writing notes and everything. You just get comfortable. It was really hot constitutionally unable to stay awake. 
um, when it's just not the time for me to be awake. I was always the person sleeping in lectures at university, and it, it, it's not something that I like about myself. No, and I got and um, yeah, my I've I've got my I guess person who's reading in the corner as we speak. <laughs> she looks adorable. My nana is here, and she's visiting from the Gold Coast, but she was like met me at the door and I said in 15 minutes we're going into this um, session and she thought it was very informative and very interesting. I saw her nodding nodding along a lot. And then we dragged her down to the, the lower room of um, uh, to watch my, my highlight hopefully of the festival which I anticipated to be my highlight which is um, Jenny Zhang with Sour Heart. Interviewed by Roosevelt Tan. Yeah. Who did a great job. I wrote good room temperature, but it then it was. It got cold. But then it got cold. But it did keep me from falling asleep. So yes. that's always a bonus. Yes, yes, it? yes. So that was sleeping. that was my top note. But <laughs> it was a great session, wasn't it? Oh, it was. So it was very good. Very. One thing I really appreciated about her was that she is so bold and not polite about mm. saying, "Look." fuck everything, you can you can do this, you can try different things, you don't have to please one audience, you can actually write to multiple audiences. Yeah. You know, um, and I just feel like that was a very refreshing... And at that insight into the how she talks about um, being an immigrant in America, the American dream is bullshit, yeah. white fetish, there's a white fetish for pain when reading immigrant stories and how she, yeah. she tried to make Sauerhart not that mm-hmm. and so, and how also how even though she's writing fiction, this immigrant story can be seen as a textbook for the immigrant experience and I just thought I mean it's stuff that you kind of you're like, oh yeah, I should know that anyway, but she's just articulating mm. that in a really awesome way. I thought it was interesting too when she said that, you know, there are lots of books about boyhood, you know, like we had James Joyce and J.D. Salinger, but then she was saying if you're writing books about and stories about young girls, then it's almost frivolous and um, yeah, and that it's kind that. of tagged as young adult and that's no slur on the young adult genre, but it's so true, isn't yeah. it? And how her book is an adult book about the youth experience which I think is a really beautiful insight but I just felt I felt like I was just hanging on to every word um she has this extraordinary insight into her audience and her readers and she talks about the tier of audiences and I just feel like she knows what's up I'm just so excited for what's Mm. coming next and it's a shame when someone's like going on these author tours and stuff because you're like I know they're not going to have time to be writing their next thing for ages back to her desk yeah um yeah Get so cracking. By the time that um, Roosevelt said that, you know, we were getting, running out of time, we, I think there was like a collective audience gasp. Yeah. yeah. It was just riveted. Yes. Of course, there was one person who, <laughs> who spoke um, up. Felt the need to speak while she was speaking. Um, and it was this very Germanic voice that kind of boomed out. Of an older man, I would say, an older gentleman. Yeah. Um, I can't hear say. you. Can you speak up? I think um, it was more about his hearing than her speaking. I think it was okay. more about his hearing. But I just thought it was interesting that um, he felt that it was all right to interrupt Interject. her and shout. Rather, you know, if it was me and I couldn't hear, um, I probably wouldn't say anything and I'd just endure it because yeah. I'm quite <laughs> If it was me, I would I tweet. Was, <laughs> I would tweet the festival and just say, hey, no, like DM, not DM. Like tweet. Oh, okay, not subtweet. Would um, would you but be- I would, if I felt the need and I felt like it was really a problem that was affecting everyone, I would go to one of the ushers, 
and see if they could deliver the message. Yeah. That's a no-brainer, isn't you know, it? Like, I just thought it was interesting that there was this older man interrupting this, this young woman of colour who had been talking about kind of like being hurt... <laughs> It was pretty um, classic. It was like he was almost like slotted in there for a prop totally. to, like, to make an example. But oh, guys, we've got to say something controversial. Hopefully, that'll bring out the uh, the trolls again. The trolls. But um, I thought she was so gracious towards him, and she, she handled was. it really well. <coughs> and so, props to her. I just thought that was really invigorating, and it was really lovely to see in audience that was very youthful mm. and you could tell that they were a lot of aspiring writers and I feel like people that would be really inspired by her yeah. and there was a lot of writing advice asked and I think mm. she gave really articulate she really and did. human Cons- advice. Very considered, very practical and related it back to her own experience and one thing I really loved that she said was, look, you know what, I'm a really inconsistent writer, mm. some people write Wasn't an hour every so day and then fear. she was like, you know what, it's okay if you're that kind of writer because, yeah. you know, some people put that pressure on themselves. I need to get up at five in the morning and write for one hour every day. Yeah, she talked about that in the Herald article with Kim Knight that came mm. out last weekend as well and I really liked that, that mm. you don't have to be consistent but I just thought she was so present, you know, mm. in the room. She yeah. was really responding to Rosabelle's questions. She was really responding to audience questions. Thinking about it. I think her and, and Rosabelle had a really nice connection too. Like, yeah. they obviously... They um, had obviously already talked quite a bit. Yeah, and they sort of... I think, like, Rosabelle kind of got her got her and really admired her but kind of just asked her quite intellectual questions she's so articulate anyway but there was just these really great um articulate questions that came through and she answered really well yeah I think um it was it was such an incredible session I think we're all feeling quite jazzed feeling jazzed um, also the book is Sour Heart it's a collection of short stories my can I say my nana thought that she waffled a little bit but I think she is the um the what do you call it the outsider in this um yeah uh, opinion but um hopefully she'll still read the book she said she wanted she to yeah. yeah so that's really exciting yes um yeah so the um just briefly those stories are um interweaving stories of um mainly centered around young um girls really aren't they and, yeah um and uh, there are sort of narratives of um migrants to America, Chinese Americans and um, it's a terrific book and I like it more than ever now that I've been this session. That was my favourite book of 2017. And you know what I always enjoy in a session as someone who like occasionally writes bits and bobs was that you know when a session makes you feel that you can do something and that and that it's it's okay yeah to try yeah. and fail absolutely I she kept saying that didn't she it's she okay does. to try things and I think because that's what people do and what she's noticing with her young students that she teaches at Columbia is that they're already thinking of their work in the world where it's in like a professional come, context yeah and just write for yourself and it doesn't yeah. have to be for an audience and so it was very inspiring and I'm yeah, yeah I th- she exceeded my already high expectations. Yeah, it was excellent. Go Jenny. Yeah, but we're going to sign off now because we're at our 25-minute mark. We're going to go to the lit quiz, which, you know, who knows what's going to happen Well, here. fire the bar. Fire have, the bar. Yeah, we're going to clean up and we're going to win. Or we're going to win, likely. But we're looking forward to it regardless. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. You'll hear our voice in about 10 seconds, but it'll be future us. And then it'll... But it'll also be the past for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye for now. Bye. 
it is red and it is recording. Hello, this is Jenna again and Karen is here. Hi. Um, we're without Louisa at the moment because she's doing some good book work, but we're just still down at the festival. It's Sunday and um, we just want to talk over what we've been going through, what we've been going through the last few days and what we've seen. <laughs> it kind of feels like we've been going through something. Um, I was waiting in line for my coffee before um, our first session this morning and I kind of realised I sort of probably... I felt like everything was a bit gauzy and the woman sort of next to me said to her friend, oh, everybody's standing around in a daze and it really feels like that after such an action-packed, you know, few days at the festival. We're all a bit tired. I'm feeling dusty and that may or may not have to do with watching the Royal Wedding with lots of bubbles at the Great Lunar RSA last night as well, but it's all part of the cultural experience. Um, but yesterday morning I went to a great free session, and again it was so awesome because it was first thing in the morning and I didn't have to line up. So I managed to miss all the lining up free session oh, good. Um, terribleness. But I went to one called um, Art of the Critic, and it had Charlotte Grimshaw, Diana Wichtel, and Alan Taylor um, talking about their, their time as reviewers. And I thought it's interesting to talk to you about it, Karen, because mm. we both um, review stuff. Mm. But then when I was in the session, I thought, I am not a critic. Like, I review books on um, the radio all the time, but I see myself more as a bookseller yes. because I only review books that I like because on the radio. I think the slots that we have on the radio serve a really specific purpose. They're not critiques. They're more us communicating enthusiasm for books that we really love that people might not otherwise hear about so they have a purpose of selling books really yes so it's it's quite different yeah so I but it was very it's quite a funny session and Alan Taylor who was um an international the international guest judge for the Ockham Book Award so I've met him in person and we've talked on Skype and he's really really funny and in that kind of self-deprecating way but he's also like really harsh on other people but just as harsh on himself and a little bit Steve Brawniacy in a way but oh, he's yeah. like yeah he doesn't hold anything back but he just sort of put his head in his hand and talked about all these shit but like oh I've just read the sh- most shit books it was just really funny um, so I thought it was a great free session and it made me think about our role and how we do that and also I liked what they said about New Zealand criticism and how it's really hard mm. and Alan doesn't care about that in Scotland mm. and he says the community's just as small but um yeah, it was it was it was great, and um, you know, but they lots of shout outs on, to the spin-off. Oh, on the fabulous! Session. From who? Um, well, Charlotte Grimshaw writes long she form does. for the yes. spin-off. She just won Reviewer of the Year at the Voyager Media she? Awards. She I'm did. Very behind on that. Kind she of did. Stuff. But they talked about how the spin-off is hilarious and vicious at the same time, and I, yes, I thought, yes, yeah, spin-off. That's really cool. So, and hopefully, people. Um, Hopefully, people will um, that would lead people who haven't heard of the spin-off or at the festival to listen to come and um, read stuff. But also, um, a good bad question um, or a statement was that a man got up and and it doesn't matter that he was a man, but he got up and said, "I think the best critics are the ones that are well on in life." Or so he huh. trusts the youth. That's such critic. a that's kind of a bullshit thing to say, really, yeah, because. Funny. Oh, it's kind of meaningless, really. I can't even... I won't even yeah. bother saying yeah, anything totally. about it. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing that um, Diana Wicktill said was how um, she believes that 
critics, and I think even with reviews as well, which I took my takeaway as a review advice would be have a forensic mind and put in the evidence. Yeah, of and, and that's what I really liked. And it was cool. And got some great um, suggestions on um, books to read about criticism or like um, what whose critics, what critical what do you call it what critics to read mm. and they also talk, they talked about Clive James a lot but bringing oh, yes. humour and yes, um, yeah. they talked about James Wood and Martin Amos so good free James session. Wood is fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah he's that, a great reviewer I've never read he's to him. very maybe good I, maybe I've you might I've... have you might have and um, he's written lots of books as well as um really great long form pieces in the New Yorker mm-hmm. yeah cool um, and then we got in this really snaky line to go to um, Dugachu Bose which was I just have to thank Hachette so much when I was in there in the session I was mm. like we were so lucky yeah thank crazy. you thanks Mel and everyone at Hachette for those tickets we're so grateful and that was that was because of this podcast which was really great but I know this was your highlight of the festival so far it was my highlight and I know that I spoke at length about this collection of essays in our first podcast um, but yeah the collection of essays by Dugachu Bose too much and not the mood um it's definitely my highlight of the festival over the last three days. Um, such a great session, expertly chaired by Ella Yalich O'Connor. Um, she was such a great chair, and I think what it was was that she was very present, she was very engaged, she's, she's super intelligent. She seemed genuinely happy to be there. Genuinely happy to be there, and not one of those chairs that are just too busy thinking about what they want to say next on their script, but actually responding to an answer so it can take you know many different kind of um kind of roads and I really loved how they pulled in it was one of those inspiring sessions where they're talking about wide-reaching kind of things you know like talking about art they did a you know they they spoke about one of my favorite artists Agnes Martin and you know they mentioned other really great authors like Tom Wolfe and Lydia Davis and um Maggie Nelson um and that's a really exciting kind of session to be in, really yeah. dynamic. And oh, they spoke about the poetics of space, which is such a great book as well. And um, they talked about auras, psychics, yes. intuition. They talked about how they were both very smart people in a great way. Um, you know, they just sort of talked about how they pay attention. And uh, I loved uh, Ella's gushing of Durga in the really articulate way and she talked about how Durga writes these sumptuous words that are like bouquets that you're constantly given yeah. and it was just the most visual beautiful thing but a lot of the sessions we see where you see the chair sort of sitting back where this was they had, their bodies were curved into each other and they were and Ella made it a point of like oh I almost feel like I'm about to start talking about boyfriends or something yeah. like that it, it felt very personal and intimate it was, it was yeah not rigid very like lovely dynamic really enthusiastic responding to each other quite electric yeah um, yeah, I think that's an example, an excellent example of what a really good session can be. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I loved the audience in there were mostly young women, and I think they would go away really inspired by that. It's so wonderful. What amazing role models to Absolutely. have. Absolutely, yeah. And, make, you know, that they would be able to make notes of all these other authors, yeah. you know, that they might not have heard of, or even um, talking about film. Um, she talked about Polly Platt, the production designer, a lot, and just that enthusiasm you know I love that and the 
one thing that was cool as well when I was I had to rush off and um, then they were just like standing there by the stairs talking to themselves yes. and so when we arrived at the session it looked like this you know some of the festival organizers were around and they were a bit like nervous about what could happen of like people starting to like get a bit fangirly on either but probably mostly for Ella but everybody was so respectful and it felt very like mm. this is this is it was just so lovely. I know. And the present and the, the fact that I think I know a few people went up and talked to them and just said hi, but they just like were standing there afterwards, like in the corner, talking like the real, to each other. Like the real people they are. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it was yeah. lovely. And, yeah, great session. Uh, and I just think that, you know, because Durga's playing into Jenny Zhang and Charlene Teo, who we'll talk about later, they sort of all kind of cross over in some way of some of their ideas. Absolutely, and film yes. Film and hot, that feeling of home and um, immigrant or Asian woman experience. So I felt that was, um, if you saw all three of those, they connect so well I together. think so, yes. Yeah. Um, and then you and Louisa went off to see... Um, yes, we saw Carl Ove Knaska. And um, we saw him in a conversation with Paula Morris last night at the ASB Theatre. And, um, yeah, great session, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd actually listened to the Kim Hill interview prior to that. Mm. Um, she did a great interview with him. And I feel like they were quite complimentary oh, okay, um, sessions, really. But, you know... Um, I guess they're the six-volume hefty auto-fiction um, and a deep dive into the psyche, really, and they've been described as really Moorish. And he was just sort of talking about how it's um, very internal. Mm. It's like a, a man's internalisation, externalised. Um, and who would find that interesting? But, you know, people are obsessed with these books. And... Um, did it make you want to read them? Oh, absolutely. I I have been wanting to read them for a little while, but because, of course, everything I read is so um, geared towards what I'm working on and what I'm reviewing or writing about. We're it's looking so, forward to the future. It's so yeah. hard. We're looking to the future, exactly. Yeah. It's really hard to read for pleasure, um, like backlist. Basically, yeah. that's yeah. what it would be. I need to go on holiday. I need to book a holiday. But there was one book uh, but where... He, he talked about um, about audience and who your audience is and if you need to please them, um, you know, because he's written these immensely dense works. Does he need to kind of make that exciting and interesting for people to read? And he just said, fuck literature, fuck pretension, I'm just going to write everything as it was. And that's because he got a lot of criticism and he talked about this, about how he wrote about a lot of really dark stuff in his family and he got a lot of criticism from his family for saying these things um, that were really uncomfortable truths mm. and he was talking basically about gaslighting mm. where he was sort of saying did that really happen am I making it worse than what it really was and he started doubting himself you know about his father um, kind of living in squalor and being an alcoholic and dying and he was sort of doubting his own voice and his own narrative and his own perception. And he said after the books were published, um, someone wrote to him. Mm -hmm. A woman wrote to him and said, oh, I was in that house. I was in that house. I was the ambulance person, and it was worse. Wow. Cool. And well, so that was like some sort of validation that he needed. Yeah. No, it was yeah. it was it gave me goosebumps, actually, that moment. Wow. And yeah. so do you think he is 
lives up to the hype of... Well, I saw... Yeah. Um, Joker had tweeted, like, I arrive in New Zealand, and the first person I see is Canal Scud. And I'm like, oh, is he, is it not cool to like him? Because I've never read him before. I think it is, I think it's actually really cool to like him. Oh, okay. I think, I think that's cool the thing, like. he's cool, you know, like, they always sort of talk about him. It's so embarrassing, they sort of say, he's the rock star of blah, blah, and, um, but what... I love about him it's not about him living up to the hype he's his own thing and he is so I was pleasantly surprised very kind of cool and calm and not pretentious Com- mm. I found him completely unpretentious mm-hmm. no airs and graces no pretense mm-hmm. he's the kind of person that you'd love to have a drink with cool well he because um, I saw him speak in one of those earlier sessions mm. Mining a Life and he actually does just have this crazy presence around himself, eh? yeah. like, because he's very, very Imposing, tall. well not imposing, but commanding. Commanding, yeah. yeah, he's a commanding presence. You're yeah. like, who is this guy? So then when he when he was reading from Mining a Life, he kind of looks like a guy who doesn't give a shit about anything, and then he's just talking about his tiny writing to his baby daughter, his fourth child in this very earnest, beautiful way, and he's, you know, it's kind <laughs> yes. of like, it doesn't match up to the yeah. look, which I love. Yeah, I love that too. Oh, I'm going on holiday next week, and I'm always already oh, juggling my I've, book, so maybe I should take my uh, struggle one. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. There was actually one other book I really loved that he talked about, and he... He said, this just ties in with the unpretentious thing, but he just said, you know, his work is about failure, about stuttering, about blushing, and about burning your finger while you're making the tea. You know, like, just the real quiet moments. And to me, that kind of ties in with a lot of cinema as well Mm -hmm. that I like, where it's the quiet moments that people usually edit out. Mm -hmm. They're the bits that I'm most interested Mm -hmm. in. So I'm so eager to read those books. Yeah, I feel like they're the kind of books you can actually fly through pretty quickly. Just from the vibe that I get of compelling, it. Yeah, compelling momentum. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's really cool. I'm so glad you guys had a good time. I didn't talk. I haven't even talked to Karen about how the session went. Um, so this is all live, guys. Um, and then this morning we've just come out of uh, Ponty, Charlene Teo, mm. which we we spoke about um, on our last podcast about how this was one we were looking forward to and I gave a book review of it. You loved it. I loved it and it yeah. lived up to my hype great. and again it was like that great trifecta of Jenny Zhang, Durga Chubos and then finishing it up with yeah. Charlene Teo. I was like, if you only went to those three, there's the most amazing, you know, they are young women who are just so smart and all of them are looking at themselves and their youth experience and um, she thinks like Charlene Teo, she was cheered by Pip Adam. There was a mistake in the program. We thought it was going to be Roosevelt, but um, Pip, I think Pip did a really cool She was job. fabulous. She was really well done, funny. Pip. We love you. And um, she... God, I sound like that lady at the Canal Scarred session. I love you. <laughs> God, I'm everything I hate. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Don't say that to authors in front of everybody. Don't so do maybe it. Maybe say it in the, in the signing line if you had yeah. to, but it's still kind of weird. Um... <laughs> So she, Charlene Terry started talking about how, because she grew up in Singapore, but has spent the last 10 years living in London, but she writes about this, 
Singapore and how she's gone away and how she reflects back on this and that emotional intelligent forming in that time of your childhood and how that's the most emotional time for you mm. and how that's the most interesting thing to explore so I love how these three women are doing that and because that's something maybe because we're a similar age to them as well that mm. we have the same cultural references as well that I think I felt like that I looked at that and her description what did you think of her description of the high school ah what, what well, was she was that? Sort of talking about how it smelled like stale sanitary. Oh, sanitary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Because no one talks about that. And do you know what? I feel like this ties in, and it, it mirrors what you said about Jenny Shang's session where she mentioned that there are plenty of novels about boyhood. Mm. So we all know what the smell of, like, you know, teenage boy dorm might smell like. Yeah, and the tissues under the bed. Ah! <laughs> but, um... But, yeah, her description of the high school is like the, the female version of that, which we never hear about. And, and it was like Jenny Shang saying, you know, there aren't many girlhood stories that aren't just tagged to young adults. Yeah. But, yeah. And the, the bras under the shirt and the, <laughs> yeah. and the yellowing of the school shirt. Which oh. I, so, um, and how her book is not literary tourism, which you yeah, can Yeah, totally. It's great. Um, um, it's more, she's more, rather than literary tourism, she's more interested in the, the senses and building up a sensory kind of image of a place. Yes, yeah. And that's what we want to read too. We're cool, not interested yeah. in literary tourism. No, not at all. And I love how um, she talked about something I really related to about how what, how she feels when she goes back home and how she relates to Singapore and how she just said she turned into this lazy child, which yeah. I feel like I do. I just sort of start totally. lying on the couch. And you revert back into, I mean, I actually had lunch with Louisa and her dad yesterday and we were talking, we were all talking about how no matter what age you are, you when you go back home or... You know, you revert back into that role. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think maybe comfort food kind of relates to that as well. And yeah. that came across in um, Charlene's talk. Oh, but she's very, much, <laughs> she's very much into food. And she also talked about her connection to film. And there's a big film yeah. part of this. But I thought that was... A- Oh, it's like a, again twisting on through with Dirks, but um, Durga, sorry. Uh, the Dirks. Dirks. I'm not on that name basis with her. She probably hate being called that. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but I just, I really liked her inspiration and I just thought it was cool. She, um, like you said about film, she, you know, also writes in her book. Um, and talked a little bit about music and how it connects to adolescence and um, just that kind of loyalty that you feel to artists that you really like and you kind of build those allegiances. Um, and I thought that was a really great um, kind of observation. Yeah. Um, and I loved how she talked about the memento mori of watching films. That really resonated with me mm. as well. Just that kind of thing where, you know, you're watching something, it's already over. Yeah. Well, that film star is probably dead yeah. or something. Oh, what um, she said about animals, like when she feels so sad and she watches, and she's <laughs> yeah, like, oh, those yeah, animals yeah, yeah. are all probably dead. Oh, it's so weird because I was watching a film last week and there was a doggy in it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that dog's dead. Oh. And I was doing the maths. Yeah. I was like, this film is from 1981. Could it be that it, oh, no, of course not. <laughs> doggy's dead. Doggy's dead. And I thought, oh, am I the only freak that... <laughs> Because she feels the same way. And then they talked about Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. And I loved how she was like, I would only watch that on a plane, which is exactly what I said. That's the time. Yeah. I think you did say yeah. that. Yes. So I was like, yeah, girl, that's, that's the right thing. Um, yeah, so that was an enjoyable, um, such an enjoyable session. Yeah, it was great. And, and 
I still feel so dusty today. I'm only going to go to one more session. We're both going to Alan Taylor, um, who's talking about Muriel Spark. Yeah. Again, he's the judge of the... Um, the international judge for the Ockham, so I just thought I'd like to see what he was up to. Love Muriel um, Spark as well. Yeah, and he's funny, and he, he was her friend, and so he said, he talked about Muriel and the credit yeah. one, and he has like these amazing one-liners. Another connection too, talking about Memento Mori, of course one of her novels yeah. is Memento Mori. Um, yeah, I actually saw a job advertised a few years ago, and it was to be the archivist for in Scotland for Muriel Spark's papers and I just thought what a dream job so I wonder who got that job wow yeah amazing yeah I think so I feel like overall without I feel like I haven't been to the whole festival I've sort of just been on half days each day but, but we've all between us done a lot I done think done a lot but yeah. it's, it's been really busy and vibrant and mm. um I think it's been a really good success. It seems like lots of people seem to be pretty happy. Yesterday there were so many people here. There were. crazy. I'm just loving seeing younger people here as well. Though yeah. I think it's a really nuanced program this year, and I have to um, commend them for this, you know, getting diverse kind of voices like Jenny and Charlene and Durga, bringing a really exciting kind of crowd through. Yeah. 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 It's widening, it's isn't it? I think so. Mm. And you know, I guess that some people have come into the bookshop and been like, oh, I haven't seen any of the big names that I recognise. I don't know if I'm going to go this year. I have seen them all down here this weekend. Yeah. Like, they're just they're here yeah, yeah. and they're discovering new stuff and that's pretty cool too. It's probably one of my favourite things about the Writers' Festival. Um, seeing, like, the the people that I love already and whose work I really love, but then kind of slipping into sessions, you know, of people whose work I'm not so familiar with. Mm. Um and having an in to explore their work further. Yeah, and it yeah. also reiterates how great our New Zealand chairs are and what amazing work they're doing too. Mm. Yeah, I, most of the chairs. I haven't seen any dungas, but I'm sure there have been some. <laughs> and I'm sure there's been some dunga questions and stuff as well, but I think I've skated on pretty safely. But I think that's... Oh, I've just stopped looking at my timer. I don't even know how long we've talk, spoken for. But that's us... Um, that's us yeah. up yep. for now and I'm going to do an intro and outro away from this in a quiet space so we just don't need to worry about that Karen. We nope, just we're all good. And the battery's on one bar so that's cool. Bye guys. Bye. Charging it. Hello, we're back and we've got this very special guest. Um, as you know, on our last podcast, we talked a lot about who we were excited to see at the festival and Charlene Teo was one of those and we talked about her book Ponty and guess who's beside us right now it's Charlene oh yeah hi hi, <laughs> hi. we're all quite we're all quite nervous I think yeah. <laughs> um so Charlene you were talking a lot about films in your session um but um I know Kieran is a really big film fan did you like want to like quiz her a bit oh, I just wanted to ask you about the film thing because um Pip Adam in your session said oh, why didn't you become a filmmaker? And you said, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a writer. writer. I like writing. <laughs> well, I actually went to film school and trained as a filmmaker because I really love film too. But yeah. when I got there, it was sort of like, actually, I like writing better, writing about film. Yeah. And then you talking about film. And then in Durga's book of essays, she writes about film in a really beautiful way. And she's got amazing film knowledge 
But where did your love of film stem from? Um, I, I suppose it's just like a, I, I don't know. It's a form of it's a form of really kind of like sensory immersion. Like it's. I feel that it's a lot of people's only sort of exposure to different cultures in the world is through how it's portrayed on film. So I think that actually I've always thought about different mediums and their power. And I felt like the really tragic thing um, about writing as a medium is that it doesn't have the kind of immediate brilliance that, say, like a, a great concert pianist or a, a particularly wonderful piece of cinema has in that, you know, instantaneously it kind of like floods all your systems. You get this serotonin shot and, you know, there's nothing quite like that, that kind of spectacular awe. Whereas I think books, they, they, they can overwhelm you and move you in much quieter ways. And, you know, they're a slow build, right? So I think I, that's just part of my consumption of culture. Like, I love, like, like film, books, music. Yeah, I, I suppose, like, actually, it's very hard for me to decide, like, what order. Like, obviously, books are first. But then the other two of the other two, it's very hard for me to decide which one. Because I, I love them both, like very much and I think like I think that it's very important if you're a writer I would say as an artist in general to take in all forms mm. really yeah um, Jenna and I were talking after the session um, I'd recently rewatched the film Stalker by Tarkovsky oh yeah and um, I was thinking about the dog in it and I was sort of doing the maths in my head and thinking oh that that dog would be dead by now. And you mentioned... <laughs> that dog is really dead. You mentioned... <laughs> He's gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you mentioned that in your talk yeah, about... Yeah, animals. animals. It's it's really, animals, really yeah. sad. Um, like, um, but actually the, the, the question of, like, you know, if I love film, why aren't I a filmmaker? It's the same as, like, going to a dog and being like, hey, you know, like, why aren't you a cat? And you're like, no, I'm... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm a cocker spaniel. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a cocker spaniel. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a dog. Like, well, I, I, you know, I, I won right. I, but I think there's a, there's a lot more um, of a kind of fluidity now between genres in writing. So I think it's, it's, it's become quite the trend, right? Like creative nonfiction. I mean, not a trend, mm. but it's, it's become a lot more popular. And I think that I, I really welcome that and embrace that. And I think poetry as well is becoming so much more popular probably to do with, I don't know, how the for form has evolved and adapted to fit with um, contemporary culture. Because you have someone like Olivia Lang who will blend in memoir, yeah. art criticism, and then kind of fiction yeah. and theory. Yeah, She's absolutely poetry. brilliant. She really is. I did this, I did this um, panel with her like last month, and I did this really kind of weird, <gasps> smart-alecky thing where like I like to bring people's books, because like, I try and read like whoever I'm doing a panel with. So I brought her book and this other writer I absolutely love as well called Guy Gnarani. And um, we were sitting around in the green room before and I just very smiled like you. I said, you know, if you don't have your book, I have a copy of your book. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> to both of them, like, just like very smug that I brought it with me on the train journey. Okay. And then so she said, oh, you know, I'm really taken with that because I have this habit of um, dog-earing the, <laughs> the bits. But then, so she took my book and she was going to read it. And I was just all of a sudden, like, incredibly... That, that put me in a state of, like, panic for, like, the next three hours because I was like, what if I left something in the book? Yeah, or what like if, a like, note or a marginalia. Or if, what if I wrote, like, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah. think I did, but, you know, there's that paranoia where you're like, what if you wrote, like, you know, I, I circled <laughs> it and put a question mark or if I was like, you know, something what is this? Yeah, exactly. I was like, why did I do that? She feel kind of so brilliant. Yeah, day. I know. I don't know why I did that. So just... Never again. God. Yeah. Um, so with movies, um, so in in your book, Ponty, um, there's particular reference to, you know, a particular 
B movie, a B horror movie, is that a genre that you have some interest in, or is that sort of yeah. more a book research specific? Um, no, I, I do have an interest in like that, like B horror movies, or things that are schlocky, or things that are yeah. kind of like. You know, they have like spaghetti for guts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I've always, I've always liked that kind of aesthetic. It's like a lo-fi kind of. It's grungy. It's almost punky, and it's like I love the idea of like unintentional artfulness, like because I feel that we we're living in an era now where like you know obviously there's like this endless appetite for nostalgia. You know, you have you have the trend right now in in film and TV of like you know things that come from the 80s or whatever because that's mm. i think how how filmmakers have aged as such mm-hmm. that now that everything's constantly a throwback to that look that aesthetic yeah. the urban outfitters aesthetic yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so i think when something's the real deal and like genuinely so bad it's good or genuinely kind of um gesturing and failing towards something but um revealing yeah. sort, sort of really interesting particularities or variations on on a form then that's that's great it's like what John Waters calls good bad art. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. He, loves, bad, he loves bad high art. and low. Yeah, <laughs> but nothing in between, nothing in the middle. Yeah. yeah. It's, what do you think of Stranger Things? Because that I, was what, was, yeah. what came to mind. I, I watched the first series and I was entertained by it, but at the same time, it was also a little bit mm. off put, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I think like Me I was too. Me too. It's such a, ti- I feel it's such a tired, tired argument to say that I feel that like there's not a lot of innovation that I can see at this particular point of time but mm. um I think as soon as the monster sticky stuff came out I was it lost me like yeah. I was more into the family situation of the missing yeah. kid have you seen A Quiet Place no, no. What's that? but I that, referenced it um it's about like um this this kind of post-apocalyptic landscape where these these mm. monsters they they have very very huge ears and they can they can detect sound so that like, everybody has to kind of tiptoe around and as long as you stay quiet um, then they won't find you, but if, if, if you make a sound, then they'll, they're really fast. They look kind of like Stranger Things mm. guys. How quiet are we talking? Like, can like, you, like, burp or...? No, 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 no. Wow. Like, it's, like, really quiet. <laughs> we would all be dead. I mean, it's good, it's good to... It was good, like, a good thing to watch in the cinema. Um, yeah. It's also interesting how, like, so, some things are just, like, lend themselves better to, like, the yeah. cinematic experience. And other things that, that I watched, like, at home, you know, in mm. laptop or whatever. Oh, as you say, because it was so funny when oh, you said um, the crazy rich agents <sighs> on the plane. I would definitely that's exactly watch what I said <laughs> on our last podcast. We were talking about your book and we were talking about Singapore. And yeah. I was like, I'd watch it on a plane. And <laughs> mm. um, how much of you is in any of the characters in Ponty, I'm thinking especially in terms of the pop culture references and the music, did, yeah, did that the come shoegaze. from your experience, like that Backstreet um, Boys moving into shoegaze type? <laughs> no, not really, I mean I think I just, I just like took from my my sort of, yeah, because I was, I was the same age at the time, it was just the kind of easiest thing for me to do in terms of um, con- depicting something that would be like convincing and was true um, on like an emotional and also like a general level of references mm-hmm. than if I was yeah. pretending to be like a teenager in the 60s and I, I got everything wrong you know mm-hmm. um, it just felt like the most natural sort of move but in terms of who, whether the characters are like me so to speak I don't think that they are at all but insofar as like your characters are like you know expressions of consciousness or you expressions of an argument you're trying to develop in any particular direction I, I, I really enjoy doing sort of multi-voice narratives, but it's also a way of sort of 
protecting myself from people um, oh, assuming from identifying you too closely. Yeah, with people one assuming character. that it's just autobiography. Because yeah. after I did there read, is such a tendency towards that. Yeah. Well, for women, there yeah. is. Mm. If you'll notice, you're talking about that Moshi person story. I think you do that so well in your novel, and I love the way how it kind of. It's just like mm. little secrets come through and like That's sentences that say. you miss. You know, you could, the little connections are so subtle. Oh, thank how you. you join them together that you, if you kind of turned away your attention for a second, you could probably miss some of those mm. tiny threads. So I think oh. it's really delicate and beautiful. Thank you. And also sensory, like you said, you know, kind of a departure from literary journalism. Uh, lit- Literary, literary, <laughs> tourism. literary tourism, um, it's very sensory and, you know, you were saying one of the characters is quite scatological and it's really visceral and rather than kind of being tokenism or cliche, yeah. like the pretty pretty and pink kind of thing where the girl gets make, a makeover at the mm. end. Oh, yeah, mm. no. <laughs> it's like, no, we don't want that. Yeah, I we want the messiness. Exactly. I loved the... Um, like you were saying, Jenna, with the kind of interplay of characters, I noticed that um, you would have one character's perspective and you'd be trusting them to sort of lead you down the right path and then the next character would come along and they would sort of refute what had been oh. said in a way. Oh, That's really? what it seems oh, cool. to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like, for instance, with um, Suman and her, um, I would say, eating disorder, yeah. um, you know, she's talking about, I think she's the first person that we meet in the book and she's kind of discussing how... Um, she feels disgusting and she you know, is trying to eat less and then you see her from Cersei's point of view and she sort of sees her wasting away and for me that was like, oh, oh, like it really is like a totally conflicting viewpoint and how Cersei views herself as this really um, kind of strong and infallible being and yeah. then you see her from Sue Min's perspective or from, um, from her aunt's perspective yeah. as this really kind of neurotic um, kind of thorny unstable mm. character I really like Cersei I think she's Me she was the most fun I actually identified with her a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny having like a multi-voice book because like um, different people come to you with um, different sort of like bits that resonated with them so I have some people that say like oh, okay I, I love the Sue Strand but I just totally didn't connect with Amisa like could, could just have done without Amisa and then I have other people that say oh you know I love the Amisa the, the best and like you know it could have been the whole thing and then I think Cersei's the least popular of the, of the three unfortunately <laughs> but I, I have a soft spot for her she's funny I think she's probably the most relatable in some ways of and especially her, her the, the character that in the 2020 section is, I don't know, I felt some connection to her in some way, but she, the loss, that kind of, you, you kind of feel like a little bit of a revenge as a reader because she's not that of a nicer person, but then she, um, you know, it's nice to see Sue kind of yeah. end up in that more safe place. It's quite satisfying. I felt your book very satisfying, I guess oh. that's what I'm oh, trying that to is, say. That is yeah. so, that is the nicest thing you could say. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh. Like um in a, in an early kind of plan for it, I I had planned for them to kind of meet up actually like at the end. But I tried writing it and I, I 
did various iterations and they were just like terrible like in one of them like I almost picture it as like have you seen like Batman Forever where they have this kind of really, <laughs> I love Batman Forever you know they have this com- no I don't know if it's Batman Forever one of the Batmans where they have this you know Bruce Wayne's parents have this comically big pram with like a Victorian hood oh I think like that's a, the one with the penguin oh yes um, the one with the, pe- the yeah. best one I think Batman Returns yeah, I feel yeah. is the best one yeah but anyway in my in my head I had this one where like they meet up like in like Labrador Park so it's like this, this nondescript park in Singapore and mm. one of them in my head like I hadn't quite written that way was pushing a pram that was ridiculous and <laughs> ostentatiously like that bat, Batman pram with this like braying baby inside and, and they're just trying to have a conversation and like one of them is putting putting down the other but like in the end I, it just didn't work for me for them to actually meet mm. on the page Spoiler alert. It would have been so good though if the baby had been like in Batman, you know, a penguin baby. <laughs> Charlene, I wanted to ask you about um, coming to New Zealand. Did you have any prior knowledge about New Zealand books or authors before you came here? I have here, to or? say, no, I'm fairly like limited. I should have I should have brushed up before I before I came here. I, oh, I, no I way. I visited think... when I was a child. It would oh, be really? quite hard to brush up before yeah. you came here. I'm sorry, I'm because only, it's all here. Yeah. I've only read Eleanor Catton. Yeah. yeah, well, that's a oh, great person to read. Yeah, totally. And I read, I read a weird one. As in like, the, I read the, the rehearsal. Yeah, oh, I love right. the rehearsal. Yeah, no, I, I thought yeah. it was brilliant too. Yeah. Yeah. And have you seen the movie of the rehearsal? Oh, there's a movie. Is there a movie? Oh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah. Is it all right? <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. I haven't read the book or seen the movie. I like the book um, better. Yeah. So, um, going back to Cersei, what, what, I don't feel like in the book, and I could be wrong and embarrassing myself, but I, I can't remember if you said why she was called Cersei. Oh, yeah. No, um, it's, it's, it's honestly, like, obviously there's a kind of Greek mythology association with that kind of like witchcraft and like how that ties to sort of womanhood and perceptions of women and the kind of suspicion, you know, she's kind of like a suspicious character the moment she appears because there's a kind of element of the uncanny in, in the way how she enters into Sue's life. Like, um, oh, I think yeah, in the first... she's attacked by a wild dog, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, that bites off her shoe and that's kind of just <laughs> strange, like... Um, it's strange, like there, there actually was a girl in my in my school whose whose shoe got got bitten off by a dog. She's like, so that actually <laughs> happened to someone. It's amazing. Um, not not me, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no. It's, so I, I, the main reason why I called her Cersei, to be honest, was because it kind of felt right to me for like her character and the direction that I wanted her to go in. But beyond that association you know there's not kind of much more mm. to that also it's totally one of those ridiculous names that I feel a Singaporean businessman would give his kid like because there's some like ridiculous oh, like names yeah. that a, a businessman who was trying to to kind of come off as really worldly you know he oh, calls same it, in New someone, Zealand people have ridiculous like, names Vianetta you know I'm sure someone would call their kid like Vianetta which is like kind of ice cream oh, yeah. Yeah. ice cream yeah. yeah trashy ice cream right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, or like yeah. Yeah. in New Zealand I think um, we'll often cream. be like oh like you know people who call their children like um, Mercedes Champagne right yeah, yeah. yeah. Chanel Chanel yeah. yeah is that sort of new money exactly um, that, that was like, that was it yeah. yeah and it's kind of funny because it's kind of a classist critique of a class phenomenon but yeah. um but I um and I really enjoyed the way that that her name was sort of alluded to but it wasn't actually explained and it wasn't like really heavy with this kind of backstory yeah. oh. it was just kind of allowed to sit there when I read your book I just finished reading Cersei by Madeline Miller oh yeah and then 
radio. I've book been seeing that everywhere. And yeah. every time I see that cover, I'm like, Cersei. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And was, when I was, I was with you when I was reading yeah. the back of the cover, I was like, there's right. a character called Cersei in this. I can't <laughs> believe it. And um, also in the context of that recent publication of, and I cannot remember the author, but a female translation, translator Emily, of, of The Odyssey. Emily Wilson. Emily Wilson. Oh, okay. Um, which I'm quite excited to read because um, I did classics at uni and um, oh. they were all, oh, Richard Lattimore is the authoritative Odyssey text yeah. and now I'm like, oh my god, that'll change. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Um, let me just see this if is I've a got tiny little notebook for you. Yeah, okay. so it's not very ambitious, is it? <laughs> I, I like, like it. Like, you must write tiny. I don't. Look at it. Look at no, that. I like it's it. It's illegible. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. It's so portable. <laughs> um, it's a good colour. my embarrassing yeah. notes. Um... I don't know, I just, I feel like you talked a lot in your session about place and how Singapore was sort of very, was a character and was very present. Yeah. Um, and I, I also felt like um, you conveyed a bit of the sort of, the layers, the kind of archaeological layers of history that it has that don't necessarily sit very comfortably with the... Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a real sort of, it's, it's quite jarring sometimes, like this distance between like the old and the kind of really, really relentlessly new. Like, things just get constructed at a really rapid rate. But at the same time, I think there's quite a project for preservation, like cultural conservation in Singapore. Like, mm. um, for example, with, like, shop houses, like, you know, the traditional facade of the shop house, but, you know, you open the door and it's like, an, you know, an ad agency or, or something like that, you know, with some kind of tech startup. Um, oh, so yeah. that there is, there is that kind of tension. And particularly with a city that, you know, like a country that is so young and, and like, comprised of different nationalities, different kind of um, national and cultural influences, like, you know, I think there is quite a struggle to find that balance. Yeah. You know, it's, it is like a city that's also like a, like it's a city-state, an island, a country, all those things rolled up in one. Um, so I think that it's, it's a very complicated place. Yeah. And my, my depiction is just one of like a kind of, a, you know, a infinite sort of variety of perspectives that people would have on it. And I think there's a a lot of kind of um, fascinating material in there. Uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated by cities. Mm. Well, I was going to make you stand in for every Singaporean's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I won't now make you just like, represent every person who lives in Singapore and yeah. their experience of it. Um, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you been to any other um, sessions at the um, festival? Yeah, well, I went to uh, well, I went to the Carl Carl Ove. I don't know if it's saying it correctly. We don't um, know how to say it. I went it. to Karen Joy Fowler's uh, workshop, Dega Chu Bose's workshop, and her talk yesterday with Lord. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> why did why did um, it to me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just. I, yeah, no, I, no, it was very exciting. Yeah, um, it was great. Lord, um, Lord, I thought Lord did a great job. She was, yeah, she she was really, really kind of engaged with the with the with the really text and responsive. She asked good questions, I yeah. thought, and it was it was very fascinating, kind of hearing about their creative processes and how they kind of insulate themselves, you know, when they need to do the work and how they, you know, they use routine as well to kind of. And I, I liked how they pulled in all those different strands of, you know, talking about books and art and really responding to each other, really great dynamic, rather than Uh someone just waiting to uh, ask the next question. Right, yeah. And and the I think the first the first night um, those those storytelling sessions mm. where they had I don't know seven minutes yes. yeah. I loved those as well I thought they were fantastic yeah it was a very interesting way of looking at like you know beginnings middles and ends mm-hmm. narrative perspectives and different different ways that people approach that 
Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on, or have you heard, or do you hate, the song Singapore by Tom Waits? I hate it. Yeah. I, so I, I do I. Yeah. I actually hate Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I, I'm just, it's not, not, not my jam. And I also hate the song Jolene by Dolly Parton because people <laughs> always sing it at me. So I, I hate those. Like, Why? People, oh, Charlene. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's not, it's not cute. Right. It's not it's cute. Dumb. But I can't count. I think what annoys me more, most about it is the, is the inexactitude of the comparison. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's really <laughs> yeah. well put. That's yeah. insulting. Yeah, I know. At least get the name <laughs> right. If it's, you're like, make it's like namesist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the number of times I've entered a room and and like someone's just like done this whole like kind of like very cheeky knowing thing and I just know what they're gonna do when they go to the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Waits' voice they, comes out. I think they're the only oh, person who's really ever done it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, that's rude. Yeah, that's alright. I can live with it. I'm sort of sorry I brought it up now, but um, it's okay. Not a fan. No. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. Remember um, the old guy. Yeah, um, I, well, it's a very sort of um, imperialist kind of view of the place. Oh god, yeah. Song. I mean, there, there, there are lots of like terrible songs like that. Like, there's, I think there's a David Bowie one like called China Girl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, it's, it's got like it's got like, the, it's got like the chops. You know, like what is it? Like the chopstick sound. Oh my gosh, <laughs> awful. The woman who was in the music video for that is a New Zealander. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. What? Gay Lang Yang. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's her claim to fame. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um. Was there anything else she that you... She was in Gloss, though. Oh, oh Gloss. Was, that's a pretty was big... it pre or post or the same After. time? So Gloss was After. a 1980s New Zealand... Um, Drama. It was like about... the New Zealand version of Dynasty or um, <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. Everyone about was wearing shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, you should check it out. Um, how, we should think of the concourse was such a university <laughs> thing. Like everybody watched it. I know. Same for us at university. Is it not? Is it popular here? Not with me. It sort of had its day. <laughs> um, I think. I think people have moved on, and it's it's looking back, it seems kind of problematic in some ways. I don't remember, as I haven't seen it in like yeah. over ten years. I just remember it was massive. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody it was watched it universally, and I, I, it kind of has had, has had some weird blowback. I think because now like. I think probably before this was the case, but now it's even more the case that when we go overseas, they're kind of seen as like, yeah. oh, yokily, like, yeah. um, you know, colonials. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, I like real dorky. I over Lord of the Rings. Why did you both look at me when you said that? I'm just I'm waiting for the rebuttal. Yeah. I don't like either of <laughs> those. From Karen Rebuttal, so. Des. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't like Lord of the Rings or... Yeah, that's a good... Film, like, like, filmmakers from, from New Zealand, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, Jane, yeah. Jane Campion? Jane Campion's fantastic. Yeah. And she's the only woman to have won the Palm d'Or. Is, is Janet Frames in this? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. We, know, yeah. So, yeah. We could make you like a little list of like our favourite things. If yeah, you want. Love like, that. I would love some that. Some films and some no, books I would love about that. New Zealand. And maybe you can make you us could... a list of um, your favourite B oh horrors. Yeah. 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 Um, have you um, watched many trauma horror films? Oh, um, trauma? So, trauma is the name of the. Co- I love trauma. Do you <laughs> like trauma? What is yeah, that? Yeah. Um, so, trauma was a 1980s, um, I think, film production company uh, operated out of New York by someone called Larry. Can't remember his name. Larry, Jewish last name. <laughs> and um, they um, had a really. Their hit was um, The Toxic Avenger. And it's very schlocky. I think you would like it. Oh. It's very schlocky. But actually, I think their real masterpieces are in their DVD menus because yeah. there's all these kind of like tricks and booby traps and jokes within their DVD menus. Easter eggs. Yeah, little Easter eggs, exactly. Anyway, so I'm wow. really tangential right now. I need, wow. We should get back on track. 
Um, and we should probably wrap up soon yeah. because that missed call was from my boss. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Please take that out of it, Alice. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. We didn't yeah. think we would actually interview anyone on yeah. this. We've just been hiding up here away from all the people. And <laughs> when I came up to you, I wasn't intending to ask you to be on the podcast. It's just there was a little pause in the conversation. I was like, do you want to be on my podcast? Why not? It was very embarrassing, but no. I'm so glad you said yes. No. Thanks is there anything else you wanted to, you felt like you haven't gotten a chance to say? Is there anything, no. like a message to the, no. our like hundred odd listeners? Oh, well, <laughs> not really, no I mean, I've been talking about my book for three weeks. I feel yeah. that I've, I've said everything. I mean, you should get the book. Yeah. yeah. That would be, that's a great message. I'm currently nice. reading it. Yeah. Um, the book is Ponty and the author is Charlene Teo. And am I saying your name correctly? Teo, yeah, Teo. Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Let the cool. record show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks. Bye. So thanks for listening to this big rambly piece together podcast and we couldn't do that without the help of Alice who has just sliced together all these random files that we've sent through to her also a big thank you to Stu for providing our sound equipment it made us look a lot fancier than we are and also to the Auckland Writers Festival for having us you've really taken care of us and and we've had a wonderful time as always uh we'll we're going to give you a break from paper cuts for about five weeks we'll be back at the end of June so happy reading and I just recommend reading any of the authors we talked about today to to catch up on and we'd love to hear from you as well so um, you can tweet us at papercutspod and you can email us at papercutspod at gmail.com kakite Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.